What's happening guys, Sam Adams here, and welcome to the Jam Pack Report for July the 31st of 2019. Of course, for those that are brand new to the program, this is a daily gaming news podcast hosted five days a week, Monday through Friday, live on twitch.tv slash Adams. if you did want to catch the show live, but then it's taken down and put up on youtube.com slash Media, as well as podcast services around the world if you did want to catch the audio version of the show while you're running, on your way to work, whatever you might be doing. I've got you covered as far as the different types of content go. Now, what are we going to be talking about today? It seems that Crash Team Racing is adding microtransactions to the game, even though during a panel there was a confirmation there would be none within the game after its release. Not too good of a look, not too good of a look indeed. Then we have more talk about electronic arts profits for Q1 of fiscal year 2019. We will talk about how the company is doing, where they are making their money, and also a couple of interesting tidbits, including, good transition, NBA Live 20, which has been pushed back to late 2019. Very strange for a sports game to be pushed back out of its, you know, traditional kind of release window that normally aligns with the beginning of the season, etc., etc., driving sales because of growing interest, you know how marketing works. Then, The Outer Worlds is coming to the Nintendo Switch. We have some talk about Troy Baker and a statement he has made on Death Stranding that I kind of wanted to talk about for just a few moments, uh, talking not necessarily about the game as a game, but more so about a piece of content that is going to, quote, move the medium forward. So that's kind of interesting. Then we have the closure of a game that was in development, the stopping of a project, if you will. Maverick's Proving Ground has been canned as the studio has been shuttered. Uh, we will talk more about that. And finally, speaking of Battle Royale games, Respawn has announced the Apex Legends preseason invitational tournament. And of course, we will talk about how you can get in on that. Guess what? It's invitation only, hence the name. Uh, but again, if you are brand new to the show, I do hope you enjoy what I bring to the table. And without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into today's top gaming news. First off, Crash Team Racing adds real money microtransactions with the next update. Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled is a racing game with a lot to do in it, including unlocking customization options for various cosmetic items like skins, items, and even characters. Since release, the game has kind of dulled these coins out somewhat thriftily to players who might be looking to unlock everything or are trying to go for something in specific. It turns out there might be a reason why. Wampa coins will soon act as a virtual currency that can be purchased with real money. At last, excuse me, at least, according to this new Activision blog post, as part of the game's Grand Prix, which is, by the way, also introducing a lot of things to spend Wumpa coins on, the currency can now be purchased from the console stores in bundles. To be clear, this is not meant to be the old way. What? To be clear, this does not mean the old way is going away. This is... I don't know about this article, man. Players can still earn coins through gameplay, and it does not appear to be adjusted or changed in any way. The update will bring in new character Baby T, a new course called Prehistoric Playground, and a lot of new items. That's a lot of things to earn and a lot of time spent getting them. Good thing they are giving you an out to just get it straight away. Oh man, that was man, that was just a bumpy road of, a, of an article there. But you get the gist of it. Essentially, what's happening here is these Wampa coins are being introduced to Crash Team Racing that essentially allow you to have an alternative route to get some of these in-game skins, cosmetic items, characters, etc. That's pretty much the gist of what's happening here. Now, this is interesting because of the fact that we saw earlier in 2019 that Crash Team Racing is good, but it also doesn't have microtransactions. This is posted on Screen Rant by Cody Gravel, uh, and of course this is after an E3 interview that talks more 
about the fact that a developer sat down and said that Nitro Fueled is microtransaction free uh, during a hands-on E3 2019 presentation. So that is a bit contradictory, as you can see, by the fact that, hey, look, they are being added to the game. Uh, and I want to talk about this, not necessarily because I'm one of those that is distraught at the idea of microtransactions being added to Crash Team Racing, because quite frankly, I'm not, and quite frankly, I kind of expected this to be happening all along. But the fact that it was done in such an underhanded way, a kind of under the table, uh, slide them in after the reviews have come out, judging the game based off of the game itself and not the mechanics within the game, uh, that I don't like that much. Of course, if the game had come out and microtransactions had been included in the game, could it have knocked it down in the review front uh, by a point or two? Potentially, but be upfront about how you are going to be charging players to experience the game. Now, I will say this is a bit of a different situation because this is entirely optional. This is not something uh, that you feel compelled to actually buy. Wampa Coins are something of an add-on piece of DLC, if you will, uh, an alternative way to earn these cosmetics within the game. You can still earn them just through playing the game, albeit at a slower rate, but that's kind of how the game is meant to be played. You play the game, you earn the things, you get better skins because you've spent more time in the game. That's how these mechanics are supposed to work. Uh, and so, if you were curious as to what was going on with the microtransactions in Crash Team Racing, number one, they are happening. Number two, they are coming in an update, and actually I believe they have come in an update, or at least in the next update as of July 31st of 2019. Uh, but I did want to let you guys know that, hey, it looks like even though a game could say that microtransactions are not going to be added to the game, lo and behold, they could very well be added later on down the line. Uh, and I really do wish there was a higher level of transparency uh, when it comes to the plans for a game. If you are going to be adding something to the game, especially a mechanic that is as uh, ground-shaking for the foundation of a game as microtransactions are, just be upfront about it. People will begin to understand, or at least if they don't, they'll know what they are getting whenever they get into the game. So, all of that being said, Crash Team Racing adding real money microtransactions in the next update. But speaking of microtransactions, let's talk about Electronic Arts. Nearly half of EA's unit sales are now digital, and let's talk more about other headlines from the financial report for fiscal year quarter 1, 2019. Electronic Arts kicked off its financial year with a quiet quarter of no major releases, posting net revenues of $1.2 billion, just up from $1.1 billion during the same quarter last year. Operating income reached $415 million, and net bookings were reported at $743 million, with the latter down 22% year-over-year due to a way-outs launch in Q1 last year and a FIFA 18 World Cup event around the same time. EA's net income of $1.4 billion was a high outlier in its numbers due to an income tax benefit EA is receiving, with $1.1 billion of that benefit coming in during Q1 and a remaining $620 million expected in Q2. Notably, EA's digital sales are up 7% year-over-year and 47% of its total unit sales, now digital across all games. Mobile growth is down 17% year-over-year to $122 million in net bookings. Other highlights include The Sims 4 expansion packs and game pack downloads being up 55% year-over-year and Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes reporting nearly 80 million players alive to date. There was no specific update on total Apex Legends player numbers and hasn't been since EA reported 50 million monthly players in its last launch month of March, but EA did confirm that the game is seeing between 8 and 10 million active players a week. That's still pretty impressive. CEO Andrew Wilson and CFO and COO Blake Jorgensen, excuse me, Blake Jorgensen, there was a lot of OOs and Cs in that, said on the company's investor call, the Q1 is anticipated to be the company's quietest quarter of the financial year with no major new releases. 
Q2, of course, is expecting to see FIFA 20, Madden, NFL 20, NHL 20, and Sea of Solitude, while Q3 will have a new Need for Speed title, a new Plants vs. Zombies title, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, and NBA Live 20, which we'll talk about here in just a few moments. Nothing yet has been announced for Q4. That sets EA up for its full year projections of $5.4 billion in net revenue, $5.1 billion in net bookings, and $2.8 billion in net income, including the aforementioned income tax benefit. In Q2, EA expects to see a net revenue of $1.3 billion, net bookings of $1.2 billion, and a net income of $776 million, of which $620 million will be from tax benefits, just in case you wanted to feel like a small speck on the financial spectrum of Electronic Arts today. So, with all of those numbers being thrown at you, let's digest all of this just a bit. We are going to be talking about net incomes because guess what? Video game companies are making a ton of money in 2019. No shocks there, no surprises, nothing at all really to be shocked about there. What I do want to focus on is nearly half of the sales are digital. This kind of coincides with what we saw yesterday uh, from the PlayStation numbers. Of course, now the majority of people are buying digital uh, instead of physical on the PlayStation front. So, I think we are beginning to see an industry-wide shift, uh, and that's kind of something that's pretty impressive uh, overall. I think it's going to be definitely something that we see in the next generation, and I saw a couple of people talking on Twitter about the fact that digital was becoming such a big part of the industry in 2019. And uh, number one, this is a shift that has been growing uh, year over year, time and time again. But I don't think physical is going to be going away anytime soon. Uh, I think that within the next 10 to 15 years, you could see a giant shift towards digital. But I think that we are still going to be seeing these physical products uh, for the better part of at least the next generation. And as more people begin to get into not only digital, uh, but also streaming as Game Pass and I suppose even products like Stadia continue to grow and flourish and evolve, you are going to be seeing more people get behind that specific kind of content consumption as compared to going out and buying a game specifically. So, with that being said, digital becoming a bigger part of Electronic Arts lineup, and on top of that, we also have a pretty quiet Q1. Nothing really shocked here, uh, or nobody really shocked here since there were no big major releases, uh, but... I suppose we will see what Q2 brings, which is interesting because we do have a ton of sports titles releasing. Of course, Madden is going to carry uh, the Q2 numbers if I did have to predict exactly what's going to be going down. Because again, you have a lot of games coming out in Q2 that are sports related. FIFA 20, of course, going to be bringing in a ton of money as well. Uh, but then Q3 could be an interesting one. That's the most interesting one coming up soon because, again, you have a brand new Need for Speed, which is probably going to sell relatively well considering the, I guess, notoriety of the Need for Speed franchise. But on top of that, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, one of the year's most anticipated games, a linear story-based Star Wars game that people have been asking for for years, uh, is going to be coming out as well. So that one could be a pretty interesting little tidbit of information. But I will say, in the chat, OKS Teeler chiming in on the digital front. I have not bought a physical game in years. Even my Switch is all done over the web. See, that's what I'm saying. We are beginning to see this trend. We are beginning to see a shift towards more digital. Now, Deathpunk says, I bought a hard copy of RE4 from GameStop a couple of months back. Well, there you have it. You have the uh, aftermarket becoming a bigger part of people's gaming habits. I do tend to buy physical games, and they are 
tending to be used because they are tending to be cheaper. I totally get that, and I don't think physical is dying, but I think that when people are buying brand new games, especially on platforms like the Switch, on platforms like the PlayStation, on platforms especially on PC, uh, you are beginning to see this shift towards digital, and I think that's something that's definitely going to be a big part of the next gen. But with that being said, EA doing fairly well on the front, considering Q1 was an incredibly quiet quarter, but more interesting, NBA Live, a yearly sports game, has been delayed to late 2019. The publisher says it's planning a different approach to the game. I suppose that would be an understatement, considering that it's not releasing towards the beginning of the NBA season. Okay then, EA Sports has been unusually silent about NBA Live 20. The game's absence from EA Play even sparked fears that it was slated for cancellation. Luckily, fans only have to wait a few more months. Polygon noted that EA released a financial report on Tuesday listing the basketball game in the third fiscal quarter of 2019, which means it will be released between October 1st and December 31st. The game was initially expected to hit stores in September during the same week as last year's NBA Live 19. The publisher said that changes are in store for NBA Live, hence the reason for the delay. We are planning a different approach to NBA Live this year and will have more to share in the quarter ahead, an EA rep told Polygon. An executive on the company's earnings call confirmed that it's still excited to bring NBA Live 20 to market soon. Of course they are, because it's a game they're trying to sell. At the very least, fans can rest assured that the soundtrack for NBA Live 20 is in the works. DJ DDP, what the heck is that, posted on Instagram that they were honored to be working with EA Sports on creating the soundtrack for the game. Worries that EA Sports will end up axing Live 20 weren't all irrational, given the publisher's track record. EA has not been afraid to shutter games that just weren't ready for primetime. Its decision to shelve NBA Elite 11 in 2010 led to a four-year-long hiatus, and the publisher canceled NBA Live 17 in order to spend more time working on what became NBA Live 18. Meanwhile, EA competitor 2K Sports is ex expected to release NBA 2K20 on September the 6th, an in-game footage featuring number one draft pick Zion Williamson and the game's first female referee was released earlier yesterday. And so, I think that NBA Live 20 is definitely going to be an interesting game uh, that we will inevitably be talking more about. Uh, but what exactly is going on behind the scenes? That's the biggest thing that I want to bring to the table. Because, of course, the competition has always been between uh, NBA Live and NBA 2K. 2K has traditionally come out on top. There has not been a genuinely good NBA Live game in quite some time. They're not horrible, but it's just kind of like the cousin, if you will. It's kind of like whenever you were a kid and would go over and play games at your friend's house. He had the good controller. The good controller is NBA 2K. Then you got the bad controller. That's NBA Live, the one with the wonky joystick and the R2 button that didn't work that well. That's essentially NBA Live. Not saying that it's broken. Not saying that it's totally bad. I'm just saying it's not up to par of NBA 2K. And so what exactly is happening here? Are they working more on the game behind the scenes to make it a true competitor to NBA 2K? Are they trying to get to the level of NBA 2K? It's still up in the air as to what exactly this delay is going to be trying to accomplish and also when the game is actually going to come out. Uh, in my opinion, if you release this any later than I would say October, uh, if it's coming out in November or December, you are beginning to really hemorrhage when it comes to how many people are going to be going back and actually picking up the game if it is going to be a full $60 game. Now, 
whenever the launch of NBA 2K rolls around, which again kind of coincides with the beginning of the NBA season, you begin to see a lot of people jumping on board, even if they don't plan on watching the whole season or playing the entire season. There is this kind of trend, almost a Madden effect in a way, where people begin to want to play the newest sports game as the season rolls around. Once the season gets going, once things get rolling and the interest kind of fades a bit, uh, then you have a declining interest in the game itself, and so could NBA Live suffer because of the fact that it comes out after the season actually begins? Absolutely. I just don't know exactly what the plan is here for NBA Live. I think personally that they should probably just forego creating any kind of live games in the future and continue focusing on different kinds of EA experiences. Think about the fact that you've already got FIFA, you've already got Madden, you've already got a ton of these sports games that are out there making tons of money. We don't necessarily need NBA Live to really be a profitable kind of company over there at Electronic Arts. And so uh, EA Sports pushing back NBA Live 20, not shocking. Uh, I'm more shocked about the fact that they haven't canceled it altogether. I have no idea exactly why they're continuing to make this game because it just simply isn't good in comparison to NBA 2K. Sometimes you have to focus on what you do best and apparently NBA games are not what EA Sports does best. Oh man. Oh, oh man. However, The Outer Worlds is coming to the Nintendo Switch. This little bit of interstellar news came out of nowhere. Yesterday, Obsidian and Nintendo revealed that the anticipated sci-fi RPG is coming to the Nintendo Switch. According to executive producer Matthew Singh, the port is developed by both Obsidian and Virtuos, the same company responsible for handling ports of titles like Dark Souls, L.A. Noir, and Final Fantasy XII. And of course, you can watch the announcement right here if you did want to see it. It's pretty generic. They talk more about the Nintendo Switch, about how it's perfect for the game, yada 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 you know the drill the nintendo switch added again with bringing more and more of these big name titles to the switch itself and it's something that really does kind of take me aback every single time i see somebody talking about the outer worlds uh or specifically big AAA games coming to the nintendo switch because number one people love the outer worlds number two these giant games i cannot believe the fact that we are getting stuff like doom eternal on the Nintendo Switch. I cannot believe that we are getting The Witcher 3 on the Nintendo Switch. Now, albeit these games are very toned down, especially in terms of textures, uh, but they are still, at their core, these versions of the game that exist on a mobile platform that is technically a hybrid platform, but you understand what I'm getting at there. Uh, to see these giant experiences that are AAA stellar experiences coming to the Nintendo Switch proves that the console is just enough there. There's just enough technology to make these games, uh, number one, worthwhile for the developers to put in the time, effort, and money uh, to make it possible. But on top of that, there's just enough hardware power there to make the actual experience possible. Like, literally, it's just possible to make it happen on a mobile platform. Uh, but if you were wanting to play The Outer Worlds, of course, coming out on the Xbox One, the PS4, and the PC, now coming to the Nintendo Switch, if you did want to check out the big open world sci-fi RPG that has a Fallout kind of approach to it, uh, this is, of course, one of my most anticipated games of the year. Very cool looking game. It's going to have tons of dialogue, uh, various paths branching dialogue that you can take and choose your own adventure in a kind of way. Uh, very interesting to see it coming to the Switch, but Nonetheless, I am sure that it will definitely be one of the biggest games of the year across every platform because, man, it looks very, very impressive. If you guys are looking for a game to add to your list, this is one to definitely keep an eye on. But Death Stranding, let's talk more about that because that's also one of the year's most anticipated games. And now Troy Baker has made a statement talking about the game itself. 
Kojima is trying to move the medium forward, not just move copies, according to the voice actor slash, I suppose, motion cap actor, you know, Troy Baker, he's famous for a lot of various things. One of the actors who worked closely with Hideo Kojima during the making of Death Stranding believes it won't just be any game. Troy Baker, who plays Higgs in Death Stranding, recently spoke about his role at the Manchester Comic Con. In an interview with Push Square at the show, Baker said Kojima is trying to make a statement. Quote, if you know anything about Hideo Kojima, he doesn't make games. He's an amazing world builder. He's trying to move the medium forward, not just trying to move copies, said Baker, adding that the game will definitely be a statement. More broadly, Baker said Death Stranding will sell on Kojima's name alone, not because of the multiple A-list actors starring in the project. Quote, this will be a game that names sell, and it won't be Norman Reedus and Mads Mikkelsen. And it sure as shit won't be Troy Baker. The name that it's going to sell... This game is going to be Kojima, added Baker. And so, of course, Death Stranding coming out on November the 8th of 2019. And it is going to be a very interesting game, as we see in the chat. There's definitely a lot of hype surrounding the idea of Death Stranding. Personally, I have no idea what this game actually is. I see trailers, I see discussions, I see interviews, I see snippets. We have the talk about Heartman, which we talked about on an episode of the show a couple of days ago, uh, where essentially a character is existing within the game, and he dies every 21 minutes and is resuscitated and he has a three minute period where he explores this world of the underworld and then he comes back and writes I don't get it so Hideo Kojima has a mind that just isn't compatible with regular human beings and it is something that is so impressive and and I just don't even know how to describe it with that being said what exactly is happening with Troy Baker what is this statement trying to say Yes, this is going to be moving the medium forward. I think when it comes to what Kojima has done to date, we see a lot of his collaboration with gaming companies. We see stuff like Metal Gear Solid, which is at its core a game. That is what Metal Gear Solid is. And so whenever you are moving towards this new creative front that Kojima has been uh, you know, able to kind of uh, inhabit since he departed ways with Konami... Uh, you do have uh, more creativity, you do have more ability to create something that is an experience, to build a true world that isn't necessarily focused on what you do within the game, but about the game itself and the story within the game and the statement that can be made. And so I think that's what you're going to be getting from Death Stranding. Again, I have no idea exactly what's going to be happening here, but it is going to be only on PS4. It is a PS4 exclusive being published by Sony. Uh, so with that being said, uh, you are going to be getting it on the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 4 Pro, I would even go so far as to hypothesize you could be getting a port to the PlayStation 5 on launch, which would make a lot of sense and probably sell a good, good, good many copies. Uh, but Death Punk in the chat says, and I feel like Death Stranding is going to be really abstract. Oh, you don't even know. I mean, I haven't had any like hands-on experience with it either, but, but oh yes, it's going to be one of the most abstract games you have ever seen in your entire life. I would say after you play the entire game, there's a high chance you still don't know what's going to be going on. But that's just my two cents. Still going to be an interesting one for the majority of 2019. However, let's talk about a game that is not going to be coming out in 2019, or 2020, or 2021. This is very disappointing to me. 1,000-player Battle Royale Mavericks Proving Ground has been canned as the studio has been shuttered. Due to insufficient funding, the development has now ceased. Now, I will say, this is a game that I was actually super excited about. I was pumped about Mavericks Proving Grounds because it took the scale of PUBG, the massive open-world experience that was Player Unknown's Battlegrounds when it first launched, and blew it up to where it was supposed to be 1,000 players. Then we saw it kind of knocked back to about 
about 400 players, which is still, again, four times the size of the standard PUBG round. Now, we will never know exactly what that was going to look like in its full form. Sorry, Battle Royale fans, but that 1,000-player Battle Royale game nobody could stop talking about on Reddit is no more. Ever since it was announced as Project X back in 2017, not the movie where there's a giant party, but more so the game, Maverick's Proven Grounds was tossed around as the potential future for the Battle Royale genre. The original plan was to have 1,000 concurrent players in a single world, with up to 400 people playing the PvP mode at the same time on a stalking. That's right, a stalking, according to Eurogamer, 12km by 12km map. It sounded incredibly ambitious, possibly too ambitious, as UK studio Automaton Games has now gone into administration. Paul Cooper and Paul Appleton were appointed joint administrators of Automaton Games Limited on July the 30th of 2019, the studio announced on its website. Please be advised that due to insufficient funding, the development of the Mavericks Proving Grounds game has now ceased. The joint administrators are in the process of licensing the Deceit game, so there will be no change in the live operation and provision of this game. Back in June last year, Eurogamer took a look at some of the gameplay for Mavericks at that point closely resembling PUBG, albeit with some distinguishing features. Aside from the enormous player numbers and size, the game promised a large player hub with vendors, a dynamic weather system, environmental destruction, and player tracking. Johnny Shiodani, I believe I said that correctly, wasn't entirely convinced by that demo, however, particularly as it only featured one one-hundredth of the total player count. If you want to further lament what it could have been, have a browse of the game's website for more of what very well could have existed. This is the second game using Spatial OS to be cancelled this year as Worlds Adrift by Bossa Studios bit the dust back in May. Created by Improbable, Spatial OS is a cloud platform that allows a single game world to be split across multiple dedicated servers at once, thus allowing for a larger map size, player counts, and more complex features. Another noteworthy project currently using the technology is Midwinter Entertainment's co-opetition titled Scavengers, so we will have to see how that one turns out when the playtests begin later this year. Now in the chat, Deathpunk says, oh, thank God we don't need another BR. I would say that we don't necessarily need another BR, but to be able to have a brand new game that pushes Battle Royale forward, I think could certainly be something that would be welcomed in the industry. Now, was that going to be Maverick's Proving Grounds? Again, I suppose we will never know. But I think there is always room in the industry for something to be built on an existing idea. And Battle Royale in and of itself is a good idea. It's a good concept that I feel like a lot of companies haven't necessarily experimented with. Many companies have released a game in the Battle Royale genre at this point, but we don't necessarily see too much experimentation. Uh, we see it a bit with Apex Legends, which has changed up the way the game is played, focusing on a three-man squad and focusing more so on the gameplay itself rather than the ever-closing circle kind of scenario. It's an interesting way uh, uh, that Apex Legends approached Battle Royale. But to be able to have innovation, I think, definitely drives the industry forward. And so to be able to build on what PUBG laid down, to be able to build on what Fortnite then laid down, to be able to build on what Apex Legends has been laying down, uh, to be able to build on these former experiences just proves that there is more innovation, more transformation that can be had within this subgenre, as I like to call it. Uh, but Maverick's Proving Grounds looked fantastic. Checking out the alpha, which was a Again, announced last week. That's something this article didn't mention. This game went into alpha last week. There was a giant video uploaded on, I believe, July 25th, uh, 2019 that showed off the fact that there was gameplay coming, that you could jump into the game and give it a shot. And lo and behold, just a week later, here we are, game dead on arrival. 
crazy to see how quickly this has all evolved. Uh, but man, this was one that I had had my eye on for quite some time. I was really looking forward to it. The shooting looked tight. The shooting looked like it was going to be a very, very fun, uh, very fun arcade style experience almost. I was definitely looking forward to this one because I haven't really been feeling Battle Royale games as of late. I've been playing Battlefield 5 uh, pretty much the majority of the summer as my go-to game. I'm looking forward to Modern Warfare, which of course has no Battle Royale mechanic that we know of quite yet. Uh, but man, disappointing to see that of course, Maverick's Proving Grounds has been shut down, but on top of that, the studio behind the game shuttered. That's always a bad piece of news to get because people lose their jobs and you never want anybody to lose their jobs. Man, that sucks. That sucks indeed. But speaking of Battle Royale games, Respawn announces the Apex Legends preseason invitational tournament if you did want to get into the competitive scene of Apex Legends. The Apex Legends competitive scene is already booming. With one tournament under its belt and another one on the way next month, Respawn Entertainment announced the game's next big competition, the Apex Legends Preseason Invitational. The invitation-only tournament will include 80 teams from around the world specifically chosen by Respawn. These teams will then face off for their share of the $500,000 prize pool. Respawn will host the tournament in Krakow, Poland from September 13th through the 15th. Because the event is by invitation only, there will be no qualifier for this tournament. Instead, teams will have to register on the Apex Legends website to have a chance at being selected. While the Invitational is certainly a major tournament, this is not the first Apex has had. Apex's first major tournament was the XP Pro-Am from earlier this month. In early August, the game will have its biggest tournament yet at the 2019 X Games. The X Games tournament will be a combination of invited teams and teams from online qualifiers that were held for the tournament back in June. All of these competitions are part of Apex Legends preseason, and it is not yet clear when that will happen when the game's first, excuse me, it is not yet clear what will happen after that when the game's first real competitive season begins, but it is possible that Respawn may have plans for either a more regulated tournament structure or a seasonal or even a league setup similar to League of Legends LCS or the Overwatch League. Uh, and so we have the confirmation of Apex Legends preseason invitational and I think this is a pretty good move on the front of Respawn Entertainment because as Battle Royales continue to grow and evolve you see more of the competitive scene beginning to emerge and I think that's important to embrace because you have the Fortnite World Cup being covered by every major news outlet. There is so much coverage of the Fortnite World Cup. The fact that the 16-year-old Booga won $3 million by getting first place in the final solos round. It was insane to actually follow the coverage of the news itself. And so whenever you have that amount of coverage and that amount of exposure coming for a game that is already roughly about two years old, uh, to be able to embrace the side of esports for Apex Legends potentially promises more investment from investors, but on top of that, more uh, interest in general, more, more following in the gaming community as more people begin to watch, begin to get invested in the game. You know, that kind of trend begins to bring more people into the ecosystem, and so I really think it is a good move to bring uh, a preseason invitational uh, to be able to bring in more competitive uh, competition in the long run, as if there's any other kind of competition. Uh, but if you did want to get in on the experience, I would say unless you were super, super good, you might not be able to get in on this one. But a ton of people have been putting together teams if you do want to get into Apex Legends on the competitive front. Uh, overall, very fun game that has a very high skill cap. I think that you can definitely do a lot within the world, and it's cool to see them finally giving the game the updates that it does deserve. 
We saw a period of a few months where there was nothing happening in the world of Apex Legends. Uh, you saw a few tweaks here and there, a couple of balance changes, but until recently with the launch of Season 2, there really wasn't too much going on. Of course, mainly to ensure that the quality of life for the developers was ensured, which is, of course, a pretty good move to make. Uh, but overall, glad to see there's finally some kind of movement within not only the content, uh, but also within the future of the game, what the game itself is going to be bringing to the table throughout 2019 and beyond. Uh, but with that being said, that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. If you are brand new to the show, thank you for watching the entire thing. And if you did make it to the end, I appreciate you being here. But the show itself is hosted five days a week, Monday through Friday, live on twitch.tv slash Adams, where I have some beautiful people in the chat hanging out today. And you could be one of those if you do want to catch the show live. You can follow, hit that notification bell, and you will be in the loop whenever I go live in the morning. Uh, but if you don't want to watch the show live, of course, the show is then taken down and put up up on youtube.com slash Samuel Adams Media as well as anchor.fm slash Samuel Adams, which then puts the show out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you might want to listen to the show. It will be there on most podcast services. But until tomorrow, you guys have a fantastic rest of your day. I will talk to you soon and peace.